Good morning. Good to see everybody. Happy New Year again. If you're online, Happy New Year to you. Although some of you I know, we've got multiple people. I know we've got a couple of families that I'm aware of that are homesick. So maybe not so happy if you're sick, but I'm um, glad you can join us online. And if you are sick and you're here, please leave. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Kind of. Uh, we would prefer if you're sick to stay home uh, so other people don't get, uh, but um, if you're trying to help our immune system, uh, thank you for that. But uh, There's a lot going around, but uh, good to see all of you. Uh, it's hard to believe that here we are, uh, the first Sunday of 2024, with 51 more to go. So 51 more, daunting, huh? And... Uh, these next 51 weeks are going to be, I don't know if you know there's a presidential election. Have you heard about this this year? Um, it's going to be a wild year. Um, uh, just tighten your seatbelt, get close to Jesus, uh, because it's going to be uh, an interesting year to be, get, uh, to be sure of that. Um, but uh, we, we had a great first service in the uh, 8.30 service. Uh, Lord really blessed, and I believe that he'll do the same. Uh, in this second service, and we're looking forward to God uh, really doing a, a good work uh, in this first Sunday of 2024. A uh, couple of things, uh, as Dr. Russ mentioned, uh, we have the men's fellowship on Tuesday, and then the next night on Wednesday is our uh, Wednesday prayer. Normally, we have just the first Wednesday of the month, but in January, we do <clears throat> every Wednesday, so every Wednesday in the month of January will be a prayer night. <clears throat> in the first one that we did this past Wednesday, uh, we did something a little different, and we'll do something a little different the next, this next one, just kind of uh, making room for the Lord to really move and, uh, and uh, really just kind of undergird this year in prayer, uh, but also to uh, get us more and more dependent on the Lord in prayer. So we'll be doing that uh, Wednesday. I hope you'll come out. And I also wanted to announce uh, that uh, as far as men's ministry goes, we have some brand new leadership. Um, we have had for quite some time, almost all the ministries in the church now are team-based. We have a team that lead the high school ministry. We have a team that leads the middle school ministry. We have a team that leads worship ministry. As a matter of fact, Jackson was supposed to be up here today, but... He's at home sick, and Tawan, who leads that ministry, jumped right in and did a great job. And so uh, we have a team-based approach to AV, almost everywhere, greeters, you name it. So we, uh, we've actually had a really good team for the ladies' ministry for quite some time, the ladies' ministry as a whole, as well as uh, uh, the Young at Heart group. But uh, with men's ministry, uh, we have had Pastor Trevor kind of standing in the gap for quite some time leading men's ministry and we wanted to have a group of men take that over. And so Scott Welch and Phil Weiser and Brian Misson are taking that on. If you guys can stand up. Um, and yeah. And then in senior class, Robert, if you can stand. Doug was in the first service, so he's not here, but there's Robert. So originally the senior class was started by... Uh, Larry Clark, uh, and he lives in Texas now, and then Roy Lowe and uh, Claude Souter took it over, and then it's now transitioned as, Roy, you can continue to just focus on the green team, which is, which is really nice for you, and, uh, but these two guys are going to lead the senior class, which 
Uh, I don't know if it's going to stay senior class. They can change the name. Um, when Matt Wilder here was in, <laughs> playing piano, he concert pianist, Matt told us that when he runs in these races, because he's like uh, elite runner in the 40-plus age group around the country, but then the 60-plus he's told, told us are called grandmasters. So you guys may want to adopt that, you know, if you decide you want to go with that. You know, the 60-plus runners are called grandmasters. So, uh, but... Uh, uh, whatever you guys decide, but that's what it's called today. And, uh, and this Tuesday, as uh, Dr. Russ had mentioned, we have our men's um, fellowship and studying the book of Revelation. Obviously, we have some really good food. Uh, not so healthy, but not as bad as Christmas food. But anyway, somewhere in between. Uh, that's coming up on Tuesday. And we really like to see a packed house, as many men as possible. We'd like you to pre-register, but say, well, that's really not my thing. Well, then don't come for you. Come for Jesus and come for the other men. That's all you got to think about. Just come for the others. You know, so there's so many things in the Christian life that's really about the Lord and other people anyway. So come on out. We'd love to have you. But thank you to these guys for taking that on. Now, speaking of um, leadership, uh, as Dr. Russ had mentioned, we do have an ordination today. And so... uh, before I invite uh, Zach and Lee up. Um, that, as you guys know, they uh, served in India for nearly 12 years now and just came back uh, in the fall. So nearly 12 years uh, where they learned to speak a foreign language, where they uh, ministered to the mo- predominantly Muslim population, but also some of the Hindu population as well. Uh, they're in India, the, the most populous nation on earth and uh, just just left everything and took a huge step of faith to live there. And um, over the last few years, we had been praying about, Lord, when when to add uh, another pastor and, and who. And, and we, just, we felt over the last couple of years that uh, if, if the Lord would ever open the door for Zach, that he would be an ideal uh, person. And I told the first service, uh, as a pastor... There are a few times in my years where I have to do something that the Lord only put on my heart, nobody else's heart. He only put it on my heart. Um, And those times are still important because there are certain steps we would have never taken if the Lord didn't put certain things on my heart. But that's the exception rather than rule. Most times when the Lord lays something on my heart, it's usually laid on a bunch of other people's at the same time. And I can say uh, it was a real blessing to me that some of you played a role in, you know, just confirming Zach. And, you know, people came to us and said, man, I just see a, a calling. And, and, and if the Lord had opened the door, he would be uh, really uh, ideal to kind of add. And, and it's a huge step of faith for us. I've told you before, uh, the math doesn't really add up perfectly. Uh, it's not horrible math, but it's not, it's not, it's kind of like when you're like, oh, should we ever have kids? You know, it will never <laughs> add up, um, that kind of thing. So, but we, we've taken this step, and, and they're taking this step, and, and there had to be a lot of confirmations on their end. I mean, it was threading the needle on many different things. It had to be a lot of confirmations in India. had to be a lot of confirmations here. Uh, some of you were part of those confirmations. I appreciated some of you that came and, and spoke to myself and Pastor Trevor and others and our leadership, and you just saw things that uh, we know that you hear from the Lord too. And as I was told the first service, as we ordained uh, Zach, um, Pastors are not more important than the sheep in the flock. Pastors are sheep in the flock. Um, I I don't think policemen are more important than truck drivers, farmers, teachers, nurses, doctors. They're all important. 
take any one of those groups out and we would have problems in society, would we not? So they're all important and uh, all of you are important, but it's also important to have deacons. It's also important to have elders. It's also important to have pastors. And so all of these things are to be complementary. It's important to have a mom. It's important to have a dad. And if you're a single parent, you've got to be both. And I understand all those things. But um, so as we ordain, it's just the Lord timing. Uh, I don't know. I, I can give you a number of things that are very specific of why the Lord said Zach and now. But then there's other things I couldn't be as specific. It was just like God said, do it. And if we didn't do it, we'd be disobedient not to do it. So we're doing it by obedience. They're taking this step by obedience. Uh, they've already been moved back. They got into a house. They actually live closer to the church than anyone else in leadership, which is great. Now I can say, Zach, since you're so close, <laughs> yeah, so they are the closest, uh, right down the street in Brander Mill. So uh, they, they'll be right down the street, and we're, we're blessed to have that. So uh, we're going to have them come up here. Uh, Lee and Zach, and then also in, I, was, I think we talked about February, because you guys know Lee is pregnant, <laughs> and they have child number four on the way, and so we'll have the uh, shower in here later today. So she's pregnant, and we want to have Zach share from the pulpit a little bit of how God confirmed all this to them, and confirmed it to myself and others, and it let him kind of share that message, but Given that she's due and she could go early or late, we're kind of waiting until the baby's born. Then we'll set that date for him to come and share. So we don't want to kind of set a date and all of a sudden, well, Zach was supposed to share today. And all of you that prepared, uh, he is at the hospital. So, uh, so she's due in less than a month now, right? So February 1, I want to say. So that's a great date, by the way. That's my birthday. So I'm hoping <laughs> that, that, that the baby's born on that day. But Probably not going to happen, but why don't you all come on up, and then if our uh, elders and deacons can come. I know we've got one of our elders, Scott, had a family thing that's been on their calendar since back in the fall, so he's not here. And then one of our other deacons, Randy West, had a family thing in Florida. They're driving back from Florida, so I'm glad he was able to be there to help his family. But uh, we have everybody else here, and we picked this date to be the first Sunday of the new year to... Uh, just lay our hands on Zach and ordain uh, him. Uh, he's already been a servant of the Lord and has done, for all intents and purposes, church planting-ish things and, and mission work there in, uh, in India. And he's taught and he has discipled and he's been a disciple maker for a long time. Matter of fact, he has better gifts in some of those areas than, than a number of us do. And there's giftings that he has that I don't have, that Pastor Trevor doesn't have, and vice versa. And so he definitely fills some holes that, that, that we need filled. And, uh, and God's blessed him with a beautiful family and uh, another child on the way. So you kids here to support the Cawthorn Boys, is that what you guys are here for? Thank you for doing that. Uh, yeah. Y'all came to be a part of it. That was really nice. Well, we're going to pray over Zach, and if you guys can lay hands just as close as you can get, that's fine. And if you guys want to extend your hand or your hearts, uh, let's pray. Lord, we just are so grateful uh, for Zach and for Lee and their family, uh, for how you have used the Cawthorns, how you've used Zach to be a disciple maker for, uh, for a number of years, going back even before they went to India, when they were in the Atlanta area, working with the, uh, the immigrant community that was coming into that part of 
of Metro Atlanta. And Lord, just uh, even even in his uh, years prior to that, going to Central America and through college years and all the things that you've done uh, in them over the last 12 years in India, in their marriage, but also in them uh, planting many seeds there in India that we uh, know that you're watering. And the team of three that's now, there was none there, and now there's a team of three. Uh, so there's been multiplication. And uh, Lord, now they're taking this big step of faith. It's been confirmed in so many, uh, so many ways. And we pray, Lord, your blessing uh, on this step of faith, on their part, on, on our part. Uh, we pray as you are the one that ordained Zach, you're the one that's called him into this pastoral role. Uh, Lord, that you would equip him, uh, that you would fill him mightily with the Holy Spirit, a double portion of your spirit. You would just anoint him uh, for the preaching of the Word of God, but also to the ministering to the saints, and also, Lord, to reaching the lost. And we pray, Lord, that uh, you would just put a hedge around their marriage, around their family, this pregnancy and this uh, coming birth. Uh, we pray that they would be uh, fruitful and multiply in many ways, but, Lord, primarily spiritually, we pray that as these men, the, the elders and deacons that are up here, that we would be a support to them. And Lord, we pray that uh, you would use uh, Zach's gifts and talents, uh, unique gifts and talents that he has um, in this body. And uh, Lord, that we would see in the years to come reasons for why you've raised him up here that we don't see today. Lord, that we would even see later this year. And uh, Lord, that uh, you would bless um, myself and and Pastor Trevor and Zach, and, and with wisdom and with understanding, and uh, Lord, that uh, we just love you more. All of our elders and deacons, Lord, would grow in your grace, and and everybody in this flock, Lord, would just grow in your grace. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would make us of one heart and one spirit, as we see in the Book of Acts. We just ask, Lord, that you use Zach in a mighty way, as you now ordain him as a pastor in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, we'll get a chance to hear from Zach in, well, once the baby comes. I'm going to take this to you. We're not trying to rush that. We're just saying that once the baby comes, he will, he'll be coming up here to share. Um, thanks, kids, for coming in. I know that was a, really nice. All right, and then our last thing, as we pray for revival, uh, we'll pray for one nation, as we've been doing, one nation every week, and we'll pray for India because that's exactly where uh, Lee and Zach came from. And as I mentioned, as most of you know, the most populous nation on planet Earth, China being the second, but um, many, many needs there and millions of people that need the Lord. And um, so we're going to pray for India. Uh, although they are back in the States, they have still a great heart for India. And by the way, you know, Zach will go back to India. He's going to uh, really do a better job of being a more of a conduit to all of our missions work than we've been able to do. We've not been able to kind of maintain, we, we have great relationships with the missionaries we support, but we'd like to have more consistent communication with them and how do we be uh, better praying for them. And I, you know, I've got too many balls near at times to, I will get with them throughout the year, but not as often as I would like to, and, and not as often as they sometimes would like me to. And so that will, uh, that'll be a big help. But India will still be part of, um, you know, uh, the countries that we want to be invested in and, and trying to reach. So uh, we're going to pray for India as we pray for revival. As I mentioned, um, you know, I'm not trying to scare you, but I really do believe 
2024 will be a wild ride in America. Uh, I'm just bracing myself, but I'm just, uh, I know uh, who holds the next 51 years in his hand, and that's Jesus. And so I know how mixed up and messed up our country is. I, I wish it wasn't the case, but I know it's the case. At least half the country doesn't really like the other half of the country, uh, and that's really not good. And so uh, what really needs to take place is people's hearts need to change. Uh, they need to come into a relationship with the Lord and uh, have their sins forgiven and see that other people are just sinners saved by grace just like they are. Uh, and that's what we need in this nation. We've been praying for revival for a long time, and I'll be talking about a few things uh, in this message that, uh, that speak to the revival that's needed in the church, but also um, throughout the year we'll highlight some other things as well. But uh, it's a little tight, and we, we had a few other things. So I'm going to ask you just, you don't have to get on your knees, just bow your heads, uh, and we're going to pray for revival. I am going to get on my knees in about 30 seconds of silence, and then I'll pray. Um, I'm not asking you to. If some of you say, I still want to do it, you can. Uh, but uh, let's just go ahead and go before the Lord and pray for our nation. Father, we humble ourselves again to start this new year, this first Sunday of 2024. We bow our hearts, we bow, Lord, just uh, our minds and our spirit before you, Lord. We know that you alone are holy. We know that we are far from that. Uh, we, even our righteousness, Lord, your word says, is nothing but filthy rags. And so in this room, Lord, as we pray, for a work of revival, we pray first in us in this room that you would cleanse us of even sins and iniquities we don't even see. Maybe they're blind spots, Lord. But those things that we can see, Lord, we're sorry. We ask that you'd wash us. We ask that you cleanse us. Lord, we pray that you'd refresh, restore, and renew in us in this room a love for you, a passion for you, a zeal for you. Lord, we pray for a nation that is in many ways, crumbling from the inside out because, Lord, there is no heart for God on the whole. Yes, there's, there's individuals, and we're, we're thankful for every person that has come to know the Lord, but as a whole, Lord, there has been a running from you to immorality, to idolatry, to all types of chains and bondage and darkness that we see. And, Lord, we see so much hatred and vitriol in our country. And, Lord, we even see just the lukewarm state of so much of the church. And Lord, we know that you looked over Jerusalem and you wept. You said, how I longed to gather you, but you were not willing. And Lord, how you longed to gather our nation, how you longed to gather the church, but in so many respects, we are not willing. Lord, I pray that wouldn't be us this morning, but we pray that you would bring a great awakening to our country in the pulpits of America, even pulpits that haven't really even preached the word. There'd be a repentance among pastors and leaders. And uh, Lord, we pray that uh, in the highest office of the land, the people that have no power, there'd be turning to you and, and repentance and turning from sin. We pray for the nation of India, Lord. Uh, there's millions there that need Jesus, Lord, whether they're in Islam, whether they're in uh, Hinduism, whether they are in 
uh, whether they're Sikh, whether they are materialistic, and uh, whatever it is, Lord, we pray that you would turn uh, the many hearts in India to you, and there'd be a great revival in that nation. We pray that the seeds have been planted by Lee and Zach and the team of three that now is taking the baton from them, Lord, that you'd water those seeds that many would be saved. We pray for the persecuted church there in India, as well as North Korea and China and Nigeria and Iran and around the world. We pray that you would deliver and relieve our persecuted brothers and sisters. And uh, Lord, we just lift all of these things up to you, the author and finisher of our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it looks like you're all seated except for a few. And uh, if you can, turn with me, thank you for praying, turn with me in your Bibles to two places, uh, Colossians chapter 1 and 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and they're really close because Colossians precedes uh, the two epistles to the Thessalonians. So if you get to Colossians, uh, 2 Thessalonians will be to your right, one chapter or one book over after 1 Thessalonians. I'm sorry, it will be to your right because it is 1 Thessalonians. So Colossians, then 1 Thessalonians, so they'll be side by side. So if you have your Bibles open, 1 Colossians chapter 1, verse 10, just two verses we'll read. Colossians 1, verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. Turn to your right over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. I also have both these passages up on the screen if you aren't looking at a Bible. It's up on the screen as well. And this is 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 1, uh, uh, chapter 4 verse 1. Finally then, brethren, we urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus, that you should abound more and more, just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God. Let's pray. Father, we come before you again in this new year. Lord, we know your desire for us, and we desire that uh, we would have your desires, that uh, your heart would be our heart, that we would walk in harmony and communion and unity with Jesus. Lord, I pray that uh, you would anoint these passages. You would anoint me, your servant. Lord, I need your help. I could never deliver exactly what you want without the work of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray that we have listening ears, that you'd speak to each person what they need from the Spirit and from the Word in this uh, sanctuary and also those that are watching online. We pray, Lord, that you would have your will and your way in our midst, and Lord, you'd be honored and glorified. And we would indeed leave here much closer to you. Uh, and Lord, we would just continue to desire you more than anything else, seeking first your kingdom and your righteousness, that everything else would be added unto us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Because the scriptures are clear, we know with certainty that the will of God is that every born-again believer and Jesus would walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God, abounding more and more. Did you know you could abound more than you currently are? Yeah, all of us can. That's why it says more and more. 
that our walk would be pleasing to the Lord. Not dictated by our own selfish desires, and we all have them. Our own goals, our own interests, our own plans, but that our walk with Jesus is led by his commands, his word, his will, his priorities for our life. And if we follow the words and will of Jesus, our walk with him will grow. It will be fruitful. It will abound and it will increase to his glory, to our blessing, and to others' benefit. Even people getting saved, their salvation. If you're taking notes, you see the title this morning, A Closer Walk with Jesus in This New Year. A really simple question for all of us to ask ourselves here on day seven of 2024, exactly one week into this new year. We're exactly one week in. Here's the question. Does God want us to have a closer walk with his son? Nobody should answer no, by the way. The answer, of course, is yes. A follow-up question to ask ourselves. Is it possible that we could walk closer with Jesus than we currently are? Again, we know the answer is yes. We can always grow nearer than we are. You can be too far from Jesus, but you can never be too close. But the final question, here is the, here's the most important one of those three questions. Well, they're all equally important, but this, the final one is the clincher. Do we want a closer walk with Jesus? Because you have to actually want a closer walk. You have to desire it. Do we want what God wants in our lives? I pray we do, and that we will heed the scriptures and will heed the conviction of the Holy Spirit, compelling us to walk closer, more surrendered to Jesus. Nobody can decide that for us. My wife can't decide it for me. I can't decide it for her. We can exhort one another. We can encourage another. But I can't decide for her to walk closer with the Lord. In fact, even when Jesus was physically present here on the earth, some of his disciples sure many of you have read this, they decided they didn't want to walk with him anymore. John 6, 66 is up on the screen. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They said, this is too much. The commandments are too much. It's difficult. People don't like us. That's a really sad passage of scripture, isn't it? But I don't know if you know this, this still happens a lot. I mean, a lot. It's not usually as abrupt as John 6, where all of a sudden, one minute they're following, the next minute they said, we are out. Most of the time, it's a really slow, gradual drift, fade away to the point where people no longer follow Jesus. You've seen it. Hey, I used to see this person every single Sunday or every single, the doors are open, and a little bit less, and a little bit less, a little bit less, a little bit less, and then, and, or so I used to read my Bible like, I mean, I was devouring it. Now, eh, how about Thursday, once a week? It's usually very gradual. So we have so many people that often go to church, but they don't have a real relationship with Jesus. Jesus. 
But Jesus loves us all enough to speak to us where we're at. Not where other people think we're at, but where we're actually at in our hearts. My prayer is that no matter where your walk is with Jesus this morning, you will not only desire a closer walk with him, but you will leave here this morning with a closer walk with him. And seeing that relationship grow over the next 12 months through the ups and downs, there are going to be some ups and downs, amen? Through the highs and lows, there's going to be some highs and lows. There'll be highs and lows in one week. I live in a household of women. There's highs and lows in one day. One day. I've learned a lot. It's me, three daughters, and a wife. They've learned a lot about me, too. But, uh, but there's going to be trials. There's going to be blessings. And by the way, some of the trials are blessings. We have to see them that way. So where do we start? Well, we start with last Sunday, if you were here last Sunday, and where we started just a few minutes ago. We start with the Word of God, which is akin to turning on the light. And if any of you in this room or watching online, have you ever had a vague recollection of where you left something in the house? You know it's in the house. Positive it's somewhere in the house. But all the lights are off. Maybe you live in a two-story house. You've got to go upstairs, start turning on lights or whatever it is. But you go start, you start turning, light, turning lights on room to room. First room, second room, third room. Finally, you turn on light and there it is. Right where you left it. Though you had forgotten you ever left it there, that you're even there. And with the light, you not only see it, but you remember, oh, every little deed, oh, that's how it ended up there. And Jesus, the word, he's that light for us. He shows us where we left our surrender. What room we left it in, when we left it there, why we left it there, and that we totally forgot we left it there. As we start this new year, I want to have the word of God. I can't do this for you, I can't even do it for myself. I want the Word of God to illuminate and instruct us all this morning in two multifaceted areas. If you're taking notes, the first of those, and I say multifaceted because I have three words for each section. But the first one, acknowledge, return, and repent. Acknowledge, return, and repent. And these are all scriptural terms uh, that you'll see in the scriptures. So acknowledge, you've got to acknowledge the state of something before you can return and repent. You've got to know where you're at to know where you're turning back to. But let's hear directly from Jesus, and I'll put Revelation chapter 2, verses 4 and 5 up on the screen. You know he uh, spoke and wrote. Oh, he spoke, and then it was written down. But he spoke to the seven churches there in Asia, modern-day Turkey, and he says this to the church in Ephesus, the first church he spoke to. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place, unless you repent. Pretty strong words from Jesus, isn't it? By the way, he's not afraid to give a strong word. He is a stern father, but a very loving father. 
and he gives what needs to be said. We, our country needs to hear from Jesus. They need the stern words as well as the loving words. But we always have to take a sincere, honest look at the condition of our heart. Is it soft to the Lord? And you have to say, is my heart soft to the Lord right now? Is it hard to the Lord? I've met people that, that something bad happened in their lives and they would not go to church for 20, 30, 40 years because God did something that they thought this person died in their family or this happened. Is it hard to the Lord? Or is it just indifferent? Hey, I don't, I don't really care one way or the other. There's a lot of indifference. But also, is there a time that we love Jesus more than we desire him today? Is there a time? And I, I have many times in my Christian life, I have stopped and said, hold on a second. I was more passionate about the Lord at this time than I am right now. I have had, the, and it's not just me thinking, it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, hey you, this is a God talking to me. <laughs> Remember when you, were, you would drop everything to do this for me. It's like an old-fashioned fireplace in the winter. We don't really have, you know, we don't get brutal winters here in Virginia, but uh, the old-fashioned fireplace, you've got to, like, bring the logs in if they're wet. Remember as a kid, how do I dry these off? I don't even know how do I dry off a log that's wet. But if you had uh, a fireplace the way they used to be, you'd have to either keep the fireplace stocked and stoked, or the heat will dissipate. It's going to fade rather Quickly. And Jesus is saying, acknowledge the state of which you're in. That's what he's telling the church of Ephesus. I want you to acknowledge where you're at. Where you're at is your love has gone really cold. You don't really love me like you once did. Um, when kids are little, um, you ever seen a uh, little boy, let's say like five-year-old, you ever seen these Fisher-Price lawnmowers, they, you know, these things? Some of them have like bubbles that fly out of them and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, they're these little plastic mowers. And every now and then, you know, I remember when I, my kids were, I had daughters, so they had no desire for the mower at all. But, but my neighbor's kids had boys, and like the dad next door would be out there with a real mower, and his toddler son is going alongside him with a plastic mower. Not really doing much, but he's, he's going beside him and just wants to help dad. And many Christians, when they first get saved, they want to help Jesus. And all of a sudden, then they get to be teenage years, they don't want to mow at all. With a real mower. And so the Lord is saying, what happened? You used to want to be by my side. You weren't even doing anything. You just had a plastic mower that wasn't doing anything, but you just wanted to help. And it was that love, it was that passion. They want to, and they're the teenage kids, they don't want us to hang around Dad. Don't want to mow the grass for dad. God said, what happened? And that's, that's what happened in, in Ephesus. But this word repent, it means to change one's mind. It means to turn around. It's actually a military turn. It means, have you ever seen soldiers in full gear? It's to stop and do a complete 180. You know, they do it with real crisp movement. It also means to abhor one's sins. But notice, Jesus is not telling the church in Ephesus to turn around and do nothing. No, he says, go back and do the first works. Return to where you've fallen from. Go back and do the first work that you would have a hunger and an excitement for the things of the Lord. And by the way, when we fall down, 
It's easier to fall than it is to get up, isn't it? Those of you that have dropped something and you're getting older, like, not even fall down, just to, just to get something that fell down. Not myself, just what it is. To tie my shoe or whatever it is. But if you fall down a hill, it's harder to go back up a hill. We've got to go against the course of this world. We've got to go against the, the, the strength or the constant desires of our own flesh. And part of that repenting or turning is to make specific and real changes. Because if you don't make any change, there's not really a turn. Make sense? In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, it's up on the screen. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, thankfully many believers have gone through the same journey that we have. And they're looking down from heaven saying, we did it, you can too. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily, not just can ensnare us, easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance, because we need endurance, the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. As we start this new year, and you know, we... we there's 12 laps, if you look at the next 12 months, and to, to walk this race, to run this race, you've got to lay aside both the weights and the sins. And, and sometimes we don't even see our sins. That's why you have to get with the Lord and say, Lord, is there, and, and you let the Holy Spirit examine, and he will. He'll, you, you totally didn't realize, man, my attitude's been horrible lately. You, everyone else realized it, but you didn't realize it. You know, but, but you didn't even realize, or, or you've been gossiping, or it might be lust, or it might be an anger issue, or whatever it may be. But that's the things that are sins, and those are clear. You've been lying, or whatever. And then you have weights. Weights are not necessarily, in and of themselves, they're not sins. You can have a hobby that starts out as a weight, but then becomes idolatry and a sin later on, but it originally just, it's just a weight. Other people can, God said, no, they can have that liberty, but you can't, because for you it'll be a weight. It'll, a weight is something that will inevitably pull you away from close communion with the Lord. Sin automatically, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear, hear me. Sin creates a barrier to you even desiring, but weights, you know, we have to examine those things. Say, Lord, is this not a sin, but is this, is this, is this not helpful for me? Not helpful for me to be this invested in something that is taking me away from you. And then in James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8, it says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Isn't that a great promise? If you draw near to the Lord, he will draw. He will never say, well, I meant everyone but you. You draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, there's obviously a lot of times that double-minded is hypocrisy, and uh, at, at times we're all double-minded. We live in a nation that's quite double-minded. We have in God we trust in our dollar bill, and it couldn't be further from the truth, right? It says one thing, and we actually do another. But God doesn't want us to be double-minded. He wants us to be spiritually minded. He wants us to be in harmony with his will and with his commandments. So we have to submit to God. By the way, submit, when we get on our knees to pray, that's, an, that's a gesture of submitting to the Lord, that we're submitting, we're surrendering to him. 
to resist the devil. You cannot resist the devil in your own flesh because you're not strong enough. Neither am I, but we have to have the help of the Lord to resist the devil because I, he has schemes that uh, we don't even see sometimes. We have to draw near. We have to say, Lord, I want to draw near. And, and uh, when we do, then we can come into his cleansing. He, our hands can be cleansed. Our hearts can be cleansed. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Um, as I mentioned in the first service, um, obviously there's many, many sins out there. Uh, Satan has quite the menu that you can choose from. But I think there's three sins that are really choking the life of believers. More, this, these are three that the Lord's just been speaking to me lately about. Three sins that are choking the life of believers and the light of Jesus' church in this nation. Like they, 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 These three just really stand out to me. Um, in in America uh, specifically, and in the church, the first one is idolatry. We're a much more idolatrous nation than we think we are because we don't sit and worship actual little idols that are made of gold or silver. Don't kid yourself. It's a very, we live in a very idolatrous society. Uh, anything, including distractions that are replacing your love for Jesus become idols. So we live in a very idolatrous society. The second one is laziness. It's overlooked in our country, but it is ominous and it is destroying our nation from the inside out. I'm going to do a spe special message sometime this year on laziness and what its damage is doing to the church and to our country as a whole. I've never seen a time in my life of a more lazy time in American history, as I see right now, uh, it's just unprecedented. Uh, and it's in the church, it's laziness in people's spiritual walk, but also laziness in doing the work of the kingdom that God has called us to do in the church. I don't know if you know it, but Jesus was the hardest working person that ever walked the face of the earth. He has said he was about busy doing his father's business. Uh, he washed feet. He labored. And by the way, uh, sometimes work is something like this. God may say, I want you to turn that off, put that down, and go minister to so-and-so in the hospital. But I'm comfy on the couch. God says, I know you are. That's your problem. That's why I want you to put that down, go and minister. Because ministering takes work. It takes effort. So laziness is, is a big problem. It's a problem in our nation. And the third one, it's obviously a problem in the church too, spiritually speaking. And the third one is cowardice. Cowardice. Uh, wanting to be loved by this world. So desperately wanting the world to kind of think, I'm as cool as everybody else's Instagram. I'm just as, I'm just as cool. No, you're called to come out and be ye separate. Read Jesus' searing words in Matthew chapter 25 about the lazy servant. Just go, if you're a note taker, Matthew 25, does Jesus have some searing words about the lazy servant? Worse than I can really describe to you. Go read them. Then you have John's closing words in 1 John, his epistle, the very last thing he says to the church is, keep yourself from idols. The very last thing he says. Then he says, amen, which means so be it. Uh, so he says, keep yourself from idols. And then you have, in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, in the list of those that have rejected God, the very first, God says, the cowardly. Do you realize how many people would probably follow Jesus if they wouldn't lose friends over it? If people would still think they were cool and still, you know. But 
there's a lot of cowardice in us believers, amen? There's many times where God's told me, do this, say this, and I've kind of shrinked back. I bet you some of you have as well, right? So you need the Holy Spirit to give you courage, and courage means to give courage, to give you courage. So we need his help to be close with Jesus, not idolatrous, working for Jesus, working in Jesus, not lazy in spirit, and to be courageous, not cowardice. That's why we're going to look at the book of Joshua on Wednesday, starting in February. And we'll be back in the book of Acts. And by the way, there's a lot of God-fearing, Holy Spirit-filled, courageous men and women in the book of Acts. Is there not? So they're, they're great examples of that. They're the cloud of witnesses we're talking about. But we'll be back in the book of Acts next Sunday, as I mentioned, Joshua on Wednesday, starting February. But the Lord has called all of us in this room, and those of you watching along, if you've been saved, We've all been called to a close walk with Jesus, which is the opposite of idolatry. You cannot be an, you cannot be an idolatry, which is really good to know. If you walk close with Jesus, you, you don't have to worry about being an idolatry. Now, he will spotlight little things here and there. But we've all been called to serve him and to serve his church, and that will require hard work. But he'll give us the energy. He'll give us the strength. And, and we've, we've been called to be courageous in a world that does not like God, does not love God, and actually resists God, so much that the world is going to come against God as we get all the way to the tribulation period. Now let me say, you may also be here this morning, or watching online, maybe you're homesick, you may be here, and you may be walking as close to Jesus as you ever had in your life, and praise God if that's you. You may be, have been drawing near to him the last few months, say, I'm in the sweetest communion that I've ever been with the Lord, and I'm, I'm grateful that that, if, if that's you this morning. None of what I've shared this morning, none of the verses, none of what Jesus has to say there in Revelation chapter, uh, chapter 2, none of what I've shared this morning in the light of God's word is to bring guilt. It's to bring growth. Growth, not guilt. Even closer than we've ever been, God says, I, I want to draw you close. I want to bring you nearer than where you currently are. And uh, if we've been sincerely seeking the Lord, and we are walking with him, and, and I know I'm walking with the Lord, and I, I, as far as I know, I don't have anything in my life that I say, Lord, that can't be there, but I know I'm walking with the Lord, but I also know that he still wants to make small changes in me. How about you? And some of them not even small. I don't know what they are yet, but some of them may not be small, but I know he's going to make changes where he wants me to say that this has to be adjusted for you to grow even closer to me. Or he wants us to get back to that place. Remember, he said, where you go back and do the first work. Sometimes he wants us to get back to that place where we're thirsting for communion with Christ and we're laying aside our hindrances, the sins, and excuses. We're laying them all aside. Say, Lord, that's just a big fat excuse for me. One guy says, but the, the, here's the American one I don't have time. That one's not going to fly at the judgment seat of Christ. I can promise you it will not. He'll say, let's review your calendar. Let's review your priorities. And so these are the things that he wants us to lay these things aside. He wants to sanctify us. Oswald Chambers had this to say about sanctification and service. He said, sanctification to, each, sanctification to teach you what service means. In other words, God has to sanctify us before he can send us into service. Does that make sense? In other words, 
doctor has to wash his hands before he does certain procedures. Sanctify, then serve. Wash hands, then, then administer the ointment. And so uh, for all of us, and that's why we're going to take the Lord's Supper, and that's why we take it every month. Say, Lord, we need to be sanctified to be sent out, to be those that are serving, uh, being your hands and feet. But no matter if you're walking or living and growing in the Spirit right now, or you want to be, and I hope everyone in this room wants to be, I want to close with how we maintain that unity with Jesus. And so the second point this morning, also multifaceted, three words as well, abide, resolve, and rest. And these three words are all found uh, in the scriptures as well. Turn with me to uh, John chapter 15. Uh, I quote from John 15 often. Uh, I quote it to myself often. I pray it often. Uh, We cover John 15 uh, when we were in the book of John, I don't know when we finished it, sometime in 2023, but uh, John 15 is such a pivotal passage in understanding what it means to be a disciple in communion with Jesus, what it means to be rooted in Christ and, and, and growing and becoming more and more uh, flourishing in him. So Jesus says in uh, John 15, verse 1, and this was all in the upper room the night before he uh, the very night that they took of the Lord's Supper, which we're going to take of, is this same scene. So this was the very place that they took of the Lord's Supper, which we'll take at the end of this service. And Jesus says to his disciples, remember the, it's just the 11, Judas has already left. So he's only speaking to the believers here. This is only those that are in Christ. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch of me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. By the way, if you are fruitful, you still get pruned. And that's not always, well, it can be a little painful at times, right? So even if you are bearing fruit, God will still prune you again. Uh, that you, uh, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. So in other words, whatever I did from you know, the first 50-some years of my life, God says, I, I want to prune you again so you bear more fruit. You were already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Now you see the word abide, 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 abide. And then over to verses 9 and 10. And they're all, the whole chapter uh, is so rich and so instructive. Uh, Verse 9, as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Isn't it great? to be loved by the Father and the Son. That song, Yes, Jesus Loves Me, is not just for kids. It's for adults, too, that we would be loved by him. And we live in a nation, we live in a time in a society that love is nearly non-existent. Everyone, you see, and I, I, mean, I mean everyone specifically, but just the cloud over our country is so negative and vitriol, and even the people that aren't speaking kind of hateful things, everyone has <clears throat> wisecracks and sarcasm. Hardly anyone can speak a normal conversation anymore. But God speaks clearly. He speaks with love. He speaks with intention. He says, I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you abide in God's love, you won't be kind of carried downstream with the rest of the world that's becoming so cynical, so jaded, so bitter, so angry, so hateful, all of these different things. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And by the way, if you're in God's love, you will be loving to your spouse, to your kids, to your family, to one another, to this body of brothers and sisters, and even to a world that does not 
like us or doesn't like Jesus. It doesn't have any interest, but you'll still be in his love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I've kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. So important uh, that we that we abide in him. And uh, if we do, and it's the only way, we're going to bear fruit. We're going to abound more and more. We're going to grow in his grace. We're going to see fruit of the Spirit that maybe, and some of the fruit of the Spirit has already been uh, blossoming in our life, but it can be far more. You can be far more patient. You can be far more loving, far more peaceful. We, we have a lot of lack of peace in this country, wouldn't you say? Many people lacking peace. That's why they take it out on everybody else, because there is no peace. But there was a great hymn, and many of you probably, uh, if you grew up going to churches when hymn books were uh, the norm, there was a great hymn written called Leaning on the Everlasting Arms. Because many of you probably heard that hymn. And it was written by a, a gentleman by the name of Elisha Hoffman, he was a Methodist minister in Ohio. He, he had a circuit where he visited all these different churches and would preach in all these different churches in Ohio. And he was a minister. He was a preacher. He wrote over 2,000 hymns in the late 1800s. He died in 1923. Uh, but he wrote this particular renowned hymn, Leaning on the Everlasting Arms of Jesus, in 1894. And he based the hymn on, if you're a note taker, Deuteronomy 33, 27, which is the eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Deuteronomy 33:27. That struck him and, and caused him to write this hymn. And I'm just putting up the stanzas one and two up on the screen. But the first stanza says, What a fellowship, what a joy divine, leaning on the everlasting arms. What a blessedness, what a peace is mine, leaning on the everlasting arms. Now, who would not want joy and peace? The blessedness. Stanza two. Oh, how sweet to, and there's that word again, walk this pilgrim way. Because you, it's not easy to walk the pilgrim way. You need God's help. We're going against the grain. We're going against the culture. Uh, leaning on the everlasting arms. But you do have his everlasting arms to help you walk that way. Oh, how bright the path grows from day to day. There's that abounding. There's that growing. There's that maturing. There's that flourishing. Leaning on the everlasting arm. The whole point is he's the refuge, God's everlasting arms. As we abide in him, we're abiding in the strong arms of Jesus, the strong love of Jesus, and we can walk that pilgrim wall. And we can not only walk it, but we can do it with joy and peace. The reason why many people resist God is because they think that life will be horrible. Hell is horrible. Life of God is peaceful and joyful. Amen? Amen? So Satan has lied to them. The very thing that they need, they don't want, and the very thing that they need... Oh, you know what I mean. But anyway. <laughs> if we resolve to lay everything aside, and if you've been alive long enough, and this is what you grandparents try and tell this to grandkids that don't want anything to do with the Lord and they're still out there in the world and everything. If you've been alive long enough, you come to the realization that nothing in this world actually satisfies but the Lord Jesus. I mean, you will come to that place. Now, that doesn't mean that you're always surrendered there. You know it. It's one thing to know it intellectually. God wants you to live it. Because a lot of us can know it intellectually and still we're not really in love with the Lord. That's what he was saying to the church of Ephesus. Because the Ephesus church, they did intellectually know that nothing in the world could satisfy, and yet they had still drifted. 
So you can know that, and God still will give us a little bit of a shake and say, hey, I know you know that up here. I need you to know it here and walk it out. But you'll know that nothing in this world satisfies, and if we resolve to abide in Jesus, to rest in his everlasting arms, to walk closer with him by grace, because it's only the grace of God that can help. You, it, I need the grace of God to give me the desire to want to walk closer with the Lord. But these words, these words of this hymn, they can be true in our life. Not just in 1894, but also in 2024. And as First uh, Peter 1.13 and First uh, Thessalonians 5.23 proclaim, he says in First Peter 1.13, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace, there's that word again, grace, uh, that is to be brought to you by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then also in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. That's a cleansing from inside all the way to the depths of your soul. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who, he who calls you is faithful. He who will also do it. As we set our minds on Jesus, as we rest in his grace, because I am talking about acknowledging in the first part, but you also, the, the resolve, you've got to say, Lord, I, I'm setting my eyes on you. I, I want to rest in your grace. But as we rest in his grace, the God of our peace, the God of peace, the God of our peace, the, G, the Lord Jesus himself, the shepherd of our souls, he's going to be faithful to protect us. Do you believe that? To grow us. I, I can't make myself grow. Uh, Pastor Chuck used to say this, and, I, and it stuck with me. Pastor Chuck used to say that when you see a branch in a tree, and it's growing apples or pears, you never see the branch straining. I will grow a pear today. <laughs> they just do grow pears. They don't strain to do it. It happens. It's not even natural. It's supernatural that water hits dirt and becomes something you can eat still amazes me to this day. I do not understand that. Or that what a cow eats, I actually feel like drinking. You know, I, none of that makes any sense. Because it's all supernatural, because God spoke it all into existence. But the point being, uh, if we're abiding, we're going to bear fruit. But we say, Lord, I now need to abide in you. I, had, I, I want to walk with you closely. And when we're doing that, he's sanctifying us day by day. Sanctified completely. You know, I sold this first service. We have 51 weeks left this year. I'm not living in October right now. I know October's coming, but I'm living in Monday tomorrow and then Tuesday. So day by day, I need to be walking with the Lord. Ready to be used by him as a disciple and ready for his return because, uh, yes, he is going to return. I would, I would love for Jesus to return in our lifetime and meet him in the clouds. But even if he doesn't, we all have a date with eternity, it's appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. So I need to be ready, whether it's the rapture or my calling home. My wife was showing me an article yesterday of a, a couple who had been married 80 years. Our 30th anniversary is coming up in May. Yeah, uh, in May. I, I, I know this. I, my mind was on this text. But anyway, so our 30th is coming up in May, and I was like, 80? That'd make me 105. Uh, that's not happening. So I'm like... I already know we, we have, we're not hitting the 80 mark or something like that. Some of you could hit that, but we, we won't. 
but no matter what, whether it's the rapture or when you're called, you want to be ready for his return. Walking in communion with him, walking in unity with him, closer and closer. Um, I don't know, I, I'm sure that all of you would agree with this. Uh, as I mentioned, I got a number of confirmations, and so did Pastor Trevor, and so did our leadership, and so did many other people that, that we got a chance to talk with when, when we were praying about Zach coming on. We got a lot of confirmations from various things, and you can get them a lot of ways. You, ever, you, you say, Lord, I could really use a confirmation, and then you turn, you get a verse, then you get in the car, you turn on the radio, it's the same verse, then someone texts you, the same verse, you know, you're like, okay, I, I, I know now that this is exactly what God is wanting me to do, or what, you know, so we, we get those confirmations, and so uh, I knew I was going back in the book of Acts next Sunday, but as I was preparing this message, I knew that everybody, all of it was straight out of the Word, but I was like, Lord, is this for sure, because I don't want to preach the first Sunday. I want to know exactly which arrow in the quiver you wanted me to pull out. Of any of them, I want the right one. And so this is, uh, I, I finished Revelation, finished the New Testament in my personal study, started the book of Genesis, and right out of the gate, as I was preparing this, these are what the Lord gave me, right out of the gate. And he was like, and Enoch walked with God. And Noah walked with God. And then I turned, to, I looked at a cross-reference, and I get to Isaiah 30, and it said, and this is the way, walk in it, which is the Holy Spirit, because you can't see the Holy Spirit, you just hear his voice through the word, through other people, through the body of Christ. But if Enoch walked with God, and Noah walked with God, I know he wants Tim to walk with God. He wants you to walk with God, and even closer with God. And by the way, when it says in the Bible, it says someone walk with God, it means they had communion with God. And here's a good question for all of us. If people that meet you and know you, people in your family, uh, your own spouse, would they say of you, they walk with God? I don't think Noah was perfect. I don't think Enoch was perfect. When it says blameless, it doesn't mean sinless. Blameless means you're covered. But Enoch walked with God. Paul walked with God. John the Baptist walked with God. You would know someone who walked with God. Would people that see us, would they know we walk with God? And uh, that's what he wants. And then if we are walking with God, anyone that does walk with God wants a closer walk with God. Amen? That they want to be closer. And so you would say, Lord, and this is just something we, uh, as we pray this prayer, say, Lord, I want a closer walk with you. It has to be sincere. It has to be sincere. And so we're going to take the Lord's Supper uh, our first time this year. And as I mentioned, John 15, that's the setting uh, where they take the Lord's Supper. Uh, we're going to pass the If you don't have the elements, raise your hand, and we'll make sure you get them. I think most people have them, but a few of you may not. I want to make sure everybody has the elements. But this is an opportunity. This is an opportunity in your heart. No one can make this decision for you to say, Lord, I want a closer walk with you. And I know that I need to acknowledge where I'm at. And I want to lay aside my own selfish desires. They might be weights. They might be sins. I confess them, Lord. You know, God doesn't want you to beat yourself with a cat of nine tails. You can't atone for your sin. He wants you to confess it and say, Lord, I want to lay this on the altar. I am sorry. I don't want to think that way. I don't want to talk that way. I don't want to live that way. I am sorry. It doesn't matter what it is. God will forgive you. Isn't it great to know that he'll forgive us of anything? And any will actually show us things that we're not even thinking of, but he might not show you that till Wednesday. 
First, you have to come and say, Lord, and he will then begin to peel back and say, now I want this to go. I want this to be refined. I want, I want you to go back. You used to be willing to say they need a volunteer. You used to be willing to do that. Now you're not willing. Why is that? He'll talk to you about those kind of things. What, what is it? What's, what's gotten you to the point that you re, are resistant? Not just the things to let go of, but the things to replace them with. The, the things he wants you to do. Go back and do the first works. So they're both important. Laying aside things that he doesn't want, but actually picking up the thing that he does want. And he'll show us those things. And they're different for each of us in this room. But uh, I'll pray, and then Tawan's going to lead us in worship. And you can take this time. You don't have to sing. You can sing. You can just be quiet. Just talk to the Lord. Uh, but again, if you take these elements, don't take them in an unworthy manner. It's important that you, you know, confess and say, Lord, I want to have the right heart. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I pray you ask him to come in and be your Savior and cleanse you. And we're glad to talk to you after the service as well. Let's pray. And then Tawan's going to lead us in worship and, and we'll take these elements. Father, we come before you. And again, uh, Lord, we're just grateful that the same Jesus that laid out the elements before the apostles is the same one looking down from heaven at our service this morning. And Lord, you know that every verse that it was read is true, and, and I probably couldn't come close to explaining the depth of any one of them, but Lord, I pray that your spirit would speak to each person uh, what we need to hear. And Lord, you would identify if there's certain sins that need to be confessed. You would identify if there are weights that we need to let go of. If you'd identify if there's things that we used to be willing to do that you want us to be willing to do again that we once did and somehow we've just kind of faded from that, that we would say, yes, Lord, I will do that. That will be those servants that are washing the feet of one another, but also doing the work that you've called us to do. And Lord, not just doing it because... We've been saved by your grace, and we thank you for your precious blood. We thank you for your sacrifice. And Lord, as we just kind of sing and take a moment uh, to reflect, Lord, just prepare our hearts that we would be surrendered and truly desiring a closer walk with you. In Jesus' name.